after finding the remains of 215 children at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, Touchline Thoughts would like to take a few moments to acknowledge the land we are on. We pass on our deepest respect and love to the lost children and their families, as well as the Indigenous, First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples who through the history of Canada have undeservingly lost their lands and lost their voices in our country. As we record this podcast, guests and ourselves reside in three major cities in Ontario. We acknowledge each one of them now. We would like to acknowledge the land on which we gather and which the region of Peel operates is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. For thousands of years, Indigenous peoples inhabited and cared for this land. In particular, we acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek, the Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, the Ojibwe, Chippewa peoples, the land that is home to the Métis, and most recently, the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. We are grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land, and by doing so, give our respect to its first inhabitants. We acknowledge the land on which the City of Toronto resides as a traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by the Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. In Ottawa, we acknowledge that we are standing on unceded Algonquin, Anishinaabek, territory. They are the past and present caretakers of the waterways and the land that we call Ottawa. We are grateful to have the opportunity to be present in this territory. Now, over to your new Touchline Thoughts episode. Welcome back to Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm Paige Culver. This is episode 32. Um, I'm here with Irfan. How how are you? How's it, how's it going? Good. Doing well, really well. Um, we really need a sound for that, eh? Like, where we just, like, press a button, it goes, pew, 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 Well, we'll talk to the network and see if they can hook us up with the soundboard or something. We'll just Yeah, my, my voice isn't good enough. I'm pew, pew, pew. No, your voice is great. We're going to record it so that you don't have to say it. You just press oh, a button. perfect. It's just, Paige, what are we thinking about this? Pew, 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 pew. I love it. I'm here for it. For today's episode, we're going to talk about the Euros. We're also going to talk a little bit about Christian Eriksen. Our thoughts and prayers go to him and his family, as well as his team. Uh, and then we'll finish off with Off the Bench. But before we get right into it, here's some music. Today's starting 11 is brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and are available for pickup in the Vancouver area. So I think the main thing we should probably touch base on is the scenes that we saw in that Denmark and Finland game with Christian Eriksen collapsing. Um, I have to ask you, when you saw that, what was your initial reaction and where were you when this happened? We were, my family and I were actually all sitting watching the game. My mom's like doing her thing in the garden and, and it was just like silence at that point. And for me, originally 
I was like, oh, did he, cause they're like, my dad's like, oh, he's out cold. Like he's, he's out. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe he got hit, but then when you rewatch it, you don't see him get hit. And then I was thinking, okay, maybe he has, a, he had a stroke and then they show, um, which I disagree with the, the camera shows his face and, and, you know, his eyes are open and they're, they're doing this, like holding his face to make sure he doesn't swallow his tongue. And right. at that point, you know, you see Schmeichel like calling over the, the medical staff and it was, I just got this like sinking feel. I felt really sick. Like mm-hmm. I really felt sick. I, I was like, I think we've just seen somebody, I don't want to say it, but potentially, you know, die in mm-hmm. on the field in front of our eyes. And, and, you know, he's a very um, famous player and, you know, very popular player. He's a fan favorite. And it was just gut wrenching at that point. And, you know, it's scary not knowing what's, what's going on. And I can't even imagine how his family felt, you know, you, there's those images of Schmeichel, you know, comforting his, his wife on the, on the sidelines and, you know, you have no idea what's going on. So, I mean, that was scary. I mean, we're happy to hear that he's, he's doing well and, you know, I think they, they said that it was a, he went under cardiac arrest. So he had a heart attack. And I mean, as a player, that's, as a fan, that's, that's very scary to, to process that and, and watch those, those scenes. And I'm sure the, the fans in the stadium and the players felt that too. You could just feel the, the weight of the situation. Right. And I mean, you play professionally. So that's something that probably now runs through your mind is, am I healthy enough to play? Should I play now? Or like, like, what would your thought process be if you're, you know, professional player now or like one of your teammates goes, hey, you know, I'm not feeling well today. Maybe I'm not going to push it because I don't want to I don't want to drop, you know. Right. Well, I think, you know, with this situation being so fresh, you would think twice about it. You would say, mm-hmm. OK, you're not feeling great, especially with, you know, today's climate, you know, COVID and things like that. You would just say, you know, maybe. And as a coach, I think you need to be extra responsible on, on those situations because, you know, I was saying to you off air, you know, these players go through extensive um, medical exams and Mm -hmm. testing. We even have to do it. And I'm sure at the, you know, the men's national level, it's even more extensive. So these players are, are, are healthy, you know, and you don't expect something like that to happen. And it just goes to show, you know, anything can happen and and you got to be medical staff. I mean, shout out to the medical staff for being amazing and and getting Mm -hmm. out there as quickly as possible. And, um yeah what what are your thoughts about it what are you when you because I know you didn't see it live because I remember I texting you being like are you watching this so. no so I was in the middle of prepping for a show for today um and at the same time I was like trying to get a reading ready for my for my writing at in the evening time and um Nick McVicker a friend of the show calls and he goes yo are you watching this and I was like I have no idea what you're talking about I think you need to elaborate what do you tell me are you watching this are you watching this <laughs> um, yeah, what's going on so he starts, um, so I think he had it on DVR. So he rewinds the whole part of the game and starts narrating everything to me. Wow. And I'm sitting there going, um, I shouldn't be shaking. I'm not even watching this and I'm shaking. Right. And he's like, so he was, he got a throw in. There's nobody around him and he drops. And I was like, okay, so is it a seizure? Is it a heart attack? Like, do we know what's going on? He's like, we have no idea what's going on, but he just dropped. And Nick's just narrating this for a solid three to five minutes, trying to tell me what's going on and going, okay, so now the commentators just said this and the coaching staff just did this. And he's like, damn, now I have to go walk, walk my dog or something like that. I got to call my dad. I'm like, okay, go call your dad. And then he's texting me while he's calling his dad. Wow. Going, Here are the updates. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to take a break from prepping for our show. I'm going to run upstairs, go take a look. And by the time I get there, it's the end of the half. All right. I see is 
the medical staff covering Christian Eriksen and the players in front of him just blocking the view off. And then I think you also mentioned, or we saw this um, get tweeted out, but it was like a picture of um, Christian Eriksen saluting or like he's awake and ready he's to go. Awake, or like yeah. he's like, he's, he's, he's alive is basically alive. what it was, right? And that was the moral of the story. I think at that point it was, is he alive or is he not? And I yeah. think people were just, that was the concern, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned again off air where the Euro Twitter account or something like that, they posted him, oh, he's alive. But like, I didn't get any indication that he died on right on the right. field. So like, I mean, I think I kudos mean, to Nick were... for keeping me posted. But like, obviously, if I was watching it live, I would have said to you, I think he might have passed. Yeah. But there was no indication from anybody because no one knew this answer. And then they come out and say, he's alive. You're like, wait, what? He died? Yeah. Yeah. It, when you're watching it, it live, you... I mean, they have the defib that you don't use. The How defib important is that defib? Stopped. My word. Like they, if you've done CPR and if they, and then, then that, that's the first thing they say, you know, when you're going to give CPR and you're in a public place, the first thing goes, you know, first call 911, yeah. being in your compressions or not. And then like find the defib because you don't know if that person's going to come back or not. And you don't want to be yeah, responsible for someone Without being it, medically yeah. dead. Um, and so kudos to the team. Kudos to you. Also mentioned Schmeichel, but I'll, I'll call out the captain as well. Simon, yeah, I was going to uh, say Kaiser, I believe like, he was like trying to calm everybody down and I didn't see him lose his edge. So he was, they were, they said that he was the first player to go over to Ericsson and hold his, his face to make sure he didn't swallow his tongue. So they said, right. He Cause was I the probably first. thought he had a seizure. Right. So, well, and they say he was originally, and he started CPR apparently too. Yeah. So um, I mean, could just, he potentially saved his teammate's life. So, um, or had a, had a major hand in that. So I think we need to give credit to him. I think we need to give, and he was the first one, him and Schmeichel were the first people to go over to the Erickson's wife. And I think fill her in and, and confront or, um, comfort her in, in that situation. So I think we need to give major kudos to those two. I think we need to give kudos to the whole team for protecting him from the, uh, cameras, which they should have never been. Right. So they're, they're willing to, so here's the, here's the problem. And I think I saw a lot of people talk about this and I've also been thinking about it is when someone raids the pitch or something goes wrong in the stance, they find a way to hide it. Yeah. And for this, they, they couldn't just give the privacy and say, Hey, we'll be right back. Um, or just turn off video and have the commentators narrate everything rather than actually seeing it. Because I think the, the look on people's faces, the look on uh, Erickson's wife, um, the, like I, I think they shouldn't have shown I, as much I as totally they did. I totally agree with you. I think uh, cut to the cut to the either show the fans or or zoom out and just show the field. If you cannot cut to the the um, uh, like the press room, mm-hmm. but cut to the press room. Just say you know we'll get back when we have more information, and then go to commercial or something. I I think there needs to be some sort of, of, and I understand that people just wanted to know what was going on, but you have to respect the, the privacy. I mean, we, we watched someone die on the field realistically. Yeah. And, it, and it was, it was basically that mentality when you see a, a car crash on the highway, even if it's on the other side, right, you, you slow do. down to take a look. <laughs> take a look and I think yeah. it's just human nature to be uh, curious. Well, I felt but, sick to my stomach, but I could not take my eyes off the right. Cause thing. you're, you're worried about was, the player. It was more. We need to know that he's okay, and yeah. I think I think on the other end of that, the that picture of him on the gurney with his he, his head yeah. up and his hand up. I think that was a very necessary photo because I think 
the the fans and and the football world needed to know that he was alive you know and I think that that picture solidified that that you know what he's going to the hospital alive and and that was the most important important message from that um media situation Mm -hmm. but you know what like this is actually not the first time there's been there's been a history of players that have played and actually passed while playing yeah um and this story i was telling you also off air was i I asked my dad about it and i was like hey like did you see the highlights like i i'm sure you didn't see them because it like we shouldn't be watching them because of how how scary it was but have you ever seen a player collapse and my dad background story for everyone listening my parents are from tanzania so uh, over in Tanzania, there's a big rivalry between Simba and Yanga. So shout out to fans of the <laughs> fans of those teams. Um, and my dad said that he's seen a player exactly the same way as Ericsson, nobody around, and one of the best players he's seen just drop and die. Um, and at the time, you're talking 70s, where you know medical staff aren't on right. hand. You're also talking about a developing country that's doesn't have all the resources or right. the utility to actually do it. Um, but he's like, I've seen someone die, and and he's like to be honest with you, it kind of numbs you a little bit. 100%. And he's like, I'm a little shit disturber because that's what he was. And I think he was <laughs> in the other team section when this happened. So like everyone was like, oh, let's ignore soccer for a second and let's let's actually find out what's going on. And he's like, I've seen it happen a few times, actually, just overexertion. Uh, somebody's heart gives up and they drop. And I was like, so is it a common thing? He's like, it's actually very common for professional soccer players at a certain level. Um whatever the fitness level maybe can that can happen so right and it's scary and you know i don't know i I was i was just like like you know when that let tingle goes through you but it's like a really bad feeling yeah and you're just like okay i just hope that that doesn't happen to anyone i know yeah at at the same time and i hope that this doesn't continue in this tournament um well yeah i really felt sick i really i was watching it and i was like i i need to leave like i do not feel great right now (laughs) do we do you think that they made the right decision to come back to playing I don't I and I was listening to the commentary about this as well I know they eventually came out and said the team had FaceTimed with Erickson and and he said yeah guys like continue to play or whatever but I you know those players just went through a traumatic experience I think you need to give them 24 hours minimum just to absorb what's going on realize that their buddy their teammate their their friend is is okay and and redo it tomorrow you know or the next day or you know there's some things that are a little bit more important in the moment I I applaud the the teams for going ahead and they had said all the players had agreed to it but I think maybe a coach should have stepped in and just said you know what you guys just witnessed something very very traumatic and I think we need to take a moment and just you know process and regroup so and you know what you can say did it affect the the outcome of the game blah 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 these kind of things but I think at the end of the day like I had kind of said there's something a little bit more important than than soccer at that moment so what do you think do you think they should have played do you think it was the right decision I don't think they should have played no matter what the player said to you Um, it's the same situation where um, we had the the Valencia player going through racist chance and then he said no go play no I think the the statement at that point also should have been let's stop the play let's figure out why this is wrong and move on right. same thing in this situation a little bit different but um take the break yeah take the take the 12 mentally... hours go home get some rest yeah. and like I think knowing that he's better is great but your whole mental edge changes like you're, you're not, not as focused, focused on the game I'm sorry you're not at that point as a player I could not have gone and played like so that's why I say kudos to them but your mind is somewhere else because 
you know, yeah, he's in a stable condition, but you don't really know the state of his condition. What if things change and you're in the middle of a game? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I think they wouldn't say anything. But at the same time, like you see the fans, you see the families, I think just go home and hug your close ones, take a break um, and and play tomorrow morning at eight o'clock just before the England game, one half left or you know what? There's so many little gaps between stuff. Just play the game. Yeah. I agree. Or, they could have like don't even air it. Just play the game or, and then come yeah. out with the result. And I mean, unfortunate for the Danes, they they were the better squad yesterday. They should have yeah. won. Um, but kudos to Finland for winning their their first major tournament game. Yeah, and I have to say we can't take anything away from them because they had to play through that situation too. You know, mm-hmm. they were just as much in that as as Denmark was. So um, in that traumatic state. So I I agree with you. I think kudos to them. They they got the win out and that's that's huge for for Finland and you know um yeah it's it's it wasn't the start they both either team was looking for that's for sure but I don't um, think we were and any of us were really expecting expecting yeah that exactly. to be the, the the main topic you know of con- right. conversation but. I will say I kind of last thing on this I think we need to give major respect to the medical staff the coaching staff the yeah. referee um, just for how quickly they handled the situation and, and saved somebody's life. So I think um, that is a very positive takeaway from that is, you know, they were prepared, they did their job, and that's a very stressful situation to have to perform that um, heavy of a job. So I think, and I mean, Anthony Taylor was the referee at that moment, I think. I don't remember who the referee um, was. It's just He did a fantastic job within, I think it was five seconds, he had the medical staff coming on because I think he could realize, or he realized the weight of the situation and, and yeah. the severity of it. So I think we need to give major credit to them and the players for handling that situation like professionals. And, and, and yeah, so I would like to give a little shout out to them because I think they're underappreciated. And I think we saw the importance of them yesterday for sure so why don't we leave it at that because i think that's a good sure. way to, to do it um so far the tournaments you know we're on day three uh what do you make of it so far aside from the earlier conversation you know it's not been bad actually um i've watched most of the games you know starting with italy um winning 3-0 i think that was a pretty good match i don't know if you watched that match or not i did i i yeah. thought turkey was way too sloppy I, I agree. I was surprised because we had talked about it earlier thinking, you know, Turkey's going to be pretty good defensively and, and things like that. So um, this, two, three, four in this group is wide open. Like, yeah. like you look at that Swiss game and I know we were talking about it on, on uh, garage door sports saying the Swiss is probably one of the better defensive units. They should have finished off the Welsh side. For sure. For and sure. To not. go one, think, one. That's not good. Especially no. when Jordan Shakiri is actually pulling strings and he's healthy. And they were all over the most of that game. Like Wales did not look good. Not at all. Yeah, this so, is open. This is an open group. Yeah. I think Italy will walk <laughs> with like nine points <laughs> at this point because um, I don't think they're going to get slowed down. The, the thing with Italy this year that I've been really impressed about and I don't think I've been following them enough is the fact that they know when to capitalize. They right. know that they're an older defensive pairing, but they're not out of position just yet i think when right, they just play <laughs> when they play a bigger competition um you know when that's ukraine or whoever depending on how you did your bracket sure I, I think they'll have some trouble but right now like this group doesn't seem like they're ready to go what are your thoughts on on russia because i know you were a little bit of a russia stand there for a little bit um, um based on the game yesterday they came up against the best world in the team and they lost best team in the world 
best team in the world. Yeah, they're number one. So I'll give <laughs> you them said the best world in the team. Did I? Oh, yeah. sorry. Best team in the world. No, same thing. Best world team. Same best team. world team. It's all right. <laughs> um, but were they the as um, based? I don't know um, if you saw the highlights or the match, but based on because um, you were saying that they were going to be a pretty good team this year. Did they live up to your I know they no. lost, but did the actual team live up to your expectation? You know, I thought they started well. But as the game progressed, you kind of saw that Belgium, even without Kevin De Bruyne, even without Axel, um, Lukaku's just a beast. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I told you he's going to end up as the golden boot just because right. I think he's going to find the pockets and he keeps finding them. And I don't understand how defenders are just not like, you know what, we'll double team him. I don't care. We have one right. free man. But at that point, you didn't have a, a Kevin De Bruyne that, can, that you have to be worried about. Right, right. Um, but I agree. like I was a little disappointed with the result because I think three nil is probably not the way Russia finished their qualifying round. Like I don't think they deserve that. But again, you come up against there's a reason they're number one or at least a top right. club. Um, they were clinical, and then and kudos to them. But again, this is another group where I think two, three, and four is open because I For think sure. the Danes have that ability to take over a game, and I'm quite surprised that they were able to have so much possession and not rely on a dead piece to, to try and get them. And I think they needed that, but yeah, like the Finns have a little bit of heart and we saw that. Um, and Timo Finns weren't Puki, that bad, actually. No? I, the situation aside, I mean, I think, yeah, Denmark was all over them for a little bit, but they, they didn't need Timo Puki well. to score their first goal. And that yeah. says something to you where, you know, they're worried about Timo Puki, but they have poachers. They have people yeah. able to score. And I mean, I don't think the Russians are going to, you know, lose again 3-0 against any of the other two clubs but uh, I think again this is this after watching the first set of games that two three and four is open right I agree I definitely agree with that what'd you make of Belgium's performance um I know you're a huge Belgium um, fan. <laughs> <laughs> my dark horse um yeah I mean I thought they did what they needed to do I think um you know uh, in terms of yesterday, they're also dealing with the weight of the, the situation that was going on. You saw Lukaku after he scored, he dedicated his goal to of course. Um, Ericsson, their teammate. So I think, you know, they're dealing with um, a little bit of a mental struggle in that game. And I think they, they succeeded. They did well. Um, they were very professional. Um, I still question Hazard being in the, in the squad a little bit. I know they threw him in, threw him in late in the game, but I was happy with the outcome and I think they're gaining momentum and we're just going to see it continue throughout the tournament. And then I think they're in the perfect group to try and test some things out. Yeah. Cause I think try something new. they're better than all three of the other teams. Yeah. Um, and the team that was supposed to give them the most hassle didn't right, right? in the Russians, in my opinion, but again, Russia also hasn't won a Euro game in how many years. So you're looking at, like that probably still plays a role. So maybe a win against the Finns or the Danes will help them out. But now I'm just rooting for the Denmark side to, to get to the next round for, <laughs> for Ericsson. Cause I think. Yeah, I think that would that, be nice. A little, a nice little um, heartfelt uh, send off for that. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what'd you make of the morning game? I missed this one. So you yeah, can fill so, me in the creations um, and the English side playing off yeah. before we get into that. I do have one thing that kind of caught me off guard. And I think this is a ridiculous statement from one of the best players, but Luka Modric came out and said, it's unfair that England plays all three of their games in London. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. Okay. I, I don't disagree. I think, you know, we talk about having that like home field advantage, right. you know, you're playing in your country and it's, I, I do agree. I, I don't think, and you know, Luka Modric has 
so much experience and so much um, respect that I don't think he's wrong for making a statement like that. Okay. So let me ask you this then. If the world, if the Euros was exclusively in England, would he have complained then? No, because then, then, um, you know, it's like a world cup, right? You're prepped for it to be in that country and you know that you're going to be dealing with fans and things like that, but for it to be like a draw and England just gets three games at home. I, I agree with the statement because it's supposed to be a Euro, you know, in different parts around Europe. So for England just to happen to get three games at home, I mean, they're very lucky and I do agree it. There is a little home field advantage. You're always playing against the odds when you're playing somewhere. Right, at, right. Somewhere but, else. Because but there's a lot of but there's a lot of teams this year that are going to have that home court advantage essentially because, I mean, travel restrictions and 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 the right. way that they've sort of trying to safely navigate through Euro 2020. I mean, the Belgian side played really well in in Russia yesterday. They did. They did. Right? And I think. I think he's just yeah. trying to get a mental edge because I, I think he's recognized that this Croatian side might not be the same that was three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with his statement, You, but at the end of the day, you're still a professional and you're going to go out and you're going to do your best and your team's either good enough to win or you're not. So um, he can, and it's Modric. I mean, he's got so much respect. He could say whatever he wanted and probably. I'm quite surprised because he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. No, he's that's, very, that's what I was surprised about. Like, was he told to say this? Was he like, well, this sucks, but like, I didn't hear Hazard go, Hey, we're playing in Russia, which is hostile. You know, the World Cup right. was here. He didn't say anything. True, true. But I think it's different when it's one game, a home game versus three home games. Right. But I mean, the Italians are getting two or three games in Rome, two games yeah. in Rome. I mean, yep. it, it didn't change the outcome of the game because I thought, you know, there was equal representation of Turkey in the in the audience. I think they've done a good yeah. job splitting it in half. But I guess right. I guess I his thinking just comes down to, well, it's at Wembley there's England fans everywhere and we probably don't have enough fans in, in this area and it's like okay yeah. if Which that's it, the concern then tell UEFA or FIFA right. or whatever go <laughs> like, file a complaint like, like go file a complaint like god like I think the Scots are super excited that it's in London because they're like there's equal representation here for sure for sure and unfortunately I think COVID has a little bit to do with the I think so too representation yeah. so um, it's unfortunate, but I don't like. I, I agree with you. I don't think it affected the result of the game. No, no, not at all. Okay, what do you make of the the fact that the right side is interesting for England? Like I know we've said it before, but we had a right back playing left back today. Left back, yeah. I mean, the only true left back on the on the team is Shaw and and Chilwell. Oh, okay, and Chilwell. Okay, yeah. We'll give we'll the Chelsea well. man yeah, some we'll love. Give it to, we'll give it Chilwell too. So I mean, I'm surprised they they went with a right back on the left side. I mean. I mean, Ashley Young did that. Yeah, yeah. It depends what your coach wants, if they want you to come inside or if they want you to go wide. So um, based on the the players, like, attributes and things like that, um, Walker was god-awful this game. (laughs) I don't don't know why they didn't sub him out at half. Like, really. And I don't mean that in, like, a bias way. How many subs are they getting? Is it three still? Or is it five? I thought it was five. Okay. No, I wasn't too sure. I think it's five. Don't quote me on that we should no, no. check that it's just we'll uh, check. yeah no i'm I, it doesn't make a difference but like yeah i i I'm, I'm quite so i'm just pulling it up here now i'm just quite surprised that um reese james didn't get a start like yeah. very surprised that right back just because i thought he he pocketed Raheem sterling really well in the final i think he pocketed you know luka modric's real madrid really oh, well sure. right for so sure. i thought like maybe tossing him there and then i think Trippier got the start because of 
understanding the game as an athletic well player in qualifying qualifying situations too so um i think the bigger question mark was why was sterling on the field i mean he did score the goal but yeah very much so i don't think he's had a good year um i also don't think he should have been called into the lineup um yeah, I think you, so out of the 26, you can only roster 23 and, you know, you have Maguire who's injured and then um, who was it? Sancho. They didn't pick. And yeah. Sancho didn't play. There was no Henderson, no Henderson. And for me, like, okay, you have Sterling, you have Rashford who can play in that position. You have, you have Grealish who can play in that position. Yeah. See, I'm okay had... with Rash not playing. I'm actually yeah. like, I was surprised at first. And then I said, you know what? He's coming off injuries. I don't think he's sure. healthy. But why not put Grealish in there? I mean, he's had a great year. And, yeah, yeah. And Sterling hasn't. So Saka has had a good year. Saka should have been in there. I don't know why he wasn't in you there. You know what? Toss, play a back five and have wing backs. Like, I think this team has the ability to play that again, but they actually have natural players for those positions, right. unlike three years ago. Right. And I think they were trying to force that, that formation before. And I think that's why he ended up going, Southgate ended up playing. Uh, for the back more traditional formation but you're right they have natural players that could play in a five mm-hmm. so what do you think of calvin phillips's play today um super underrated in my opinion under 25 um sure. set up the goal i think you have rash there or you have foden there i think it's a goal regardless of who it is because of the way he, he cut through the, the defense there definitely and that's why i, I think okay rashford scored but he didn't do anything sterling sterling yeah but he didn't do anything to create that he just happened to be in the right spot and you know somebody else was doing all the work for you like you said it could have been foden it could have been rashford it could have been anybody in that position and they're going to put the Mm -hmm. goal in so um yeah i mean i think he had a good game i think foden had a great game he almost had a a goal in the beginning there yeah consider one of a man match or something that's what i was reading it was just and and see how good he is in a more attacking position and that's why um, during the uh, the the Champions League final, I said he's playing in the midfield and he shouldn't be there. I think he needs to be a little bit higher. Yeah, and I think City would have won that game if he was playing as a winger or an attacking left or right he's midfielder. He's so versatile, and yeah. I think you know I think he's going to be a big um, big help to England in this tournament. I think we're going to see yeah. him really shine. I think they have the chance to win this, and it's just figure out who's playing what. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem with England isn't going forward it's playing on the back end I agree I agree and, and that's kind of what I have said throughout this yeah this like whole... it's a massive question mark like you compare it to France Germany Portugal Spain Italy they're the only power Belgium the only powerhouse that you actually worry about is is England are yeah. they are they good enough what would you make of Mings and Stones today questionable a really questionable mm-hmm. i just some but again even walker who's normally fairly solid very questionable back there pickford kicked the ball long every single time why That's are old we, england soccer old england soccer it's unnecessary when you have the the skill to play out of the back and i think that shows lack of confidence in your defensive players if you're not willing to play at the back whether that's a coaching decision or that's a player decision i think it it exposes the question marks yeah. so I think it's going to be interesting going forward how I think it's going to be who can make the least amount of error. And I think no. we're going to see the error in, in our defensive line. And I mean, I mean, stones is getting cramps and, and stuff like that. And I get it. It's hot and they haven't had the prep time that they've necessarily right. been looking for, but 
But Stones is supposed to be good in possession. And the fact that he's not getting the ball. And he's had a good year. He has had a good season, but... Mm. Page just doesn't like him. (laughs) (laughs) I think he had a lot of good supporting players that helped him look good, too. Ruben Diaz. Exactly. When you're playing with a world-class player like that, you're going to look good. Listen, if if anything... um, if Jordan Henderson's healthy next game, put him in center back if, if they're really it, worried about it. Because I think it would work. I mean, Calvin Phillips has played in a center back role before because he's so, like, he can move. Yeah. So maybe if they if they want to play in the back and try and try something new, I don't know if this is the time to experiment. But because I think that the Czech Republic side isn't going to take what Croatia did. Like, it, right. to me, I was quite surprised that in a lineup with the Croatians that has Perisic and Kramer playing as your wings, and you're unable to, like, they should have had more. No, like, yep. shouldn't the Croatians have actually had a better chance of winning this game? Or am I overthinking yeah, it? I do. I, I don't think they, okay, the first 20 minutes, England was all over them. Um, right. I don't think they touched the ball very much. Um, after that, the game opened up a little bit. Um, they had their opportunities too. I think they needed more. I think at the end of the game, we saw the fatigue mm-hmm. um, of the Croatian side. And I think maybe that has to do with age maybe that has to do we kind of touched upon this in our in our um, midweek preview mm-hmm. um, that you know they're getting a little older and things like that so I think we saw the fatigue a little bit but I think we can expect maybe a little bit I mean Madra still looked great like I mean he was cutting players up so um, <laughs> yeah really and we we had kind of questioned okay can they play through him still even though you know they did and they did, and it was successful. And I think he yeah. just needs more. And it was support. one nothing by the end of the day, which is, which is insane. Because if they, this is how it stays, they have a realistic chance of For finishing sure. tops in this group. And I'm telling you, England should finish second if they don't want to face any of the big houses. I'm just putting that out there. Not yeah, that anyone I, wants to go out there and lose, but yeah, if you don't want to see Portugal sure. or Germany, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll see what happens. I mean, who's the next game? I think it's North Macedonia and the Ukraine play. My- mm, I believe no, it's uh Ukraine and Netherlands, Austria and North Mass. Austria and North Mass. I, yeah, I that's gonna be interesting. But- I want to see if you know Austria can get a couple of goals if they can't score. I'm very interested to see North Macedonia play because I have not watched any of them their games at no. all. So I'm very interested to see what they're gonna look like and and you know I hope they do well. I, you know it's an <laughs> underdog team. So I mean, no. um, what's yeah. your prediction for that match? The Austria Macedonia. Yeah, I think it's be one nothing Austria. Now. I do not think Austria is going to run the score, which is not a good thing. I think they need to try and run the score, but they won't be able to. Right, right. And Goran Pandev is going to score, not score, but he's going to have a multiple chances, and then Mert Mass is going to be like, we actually can do this. We can do it. Build a little. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's about momentum. If they can build a little bit of momentum, I think they can get into that game. Listen, what's it called? Portugal made it to the next round with three draws. Was it what year was it? I don't remember that. I don't. I think know. it was like five years ago or something like that. And then, um, at that point, I was like, you know what? Anybody can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so For let's sure. say they Why just not? like you don't know what the Dutch side is this year. We don't know what Ukraine is, even though you know Kyle L is a big fan of the Ukrainian <laughs> <Kyle> side. <does. laughs> um, and and you know I'm high on Austria, but at the same time be prepared for for a little bit of sadness because they might not be able to do it it'll be interesting i'm i'm ready for an upset and i you know what that's what these tournaments are good for they're always good for a good upset and yeah. 
the unexpected. So I think enough for the money makers. That's I think you make more money when the underdog is there. When you like when Iceland beat England, I was like, well, hell, what the hell just happened there? Yeah, who bet on that game? They're getting they're getting their money's worth. So well, I told people don't bet because like Iceland's a sleeper. Don't bet on that game. Everyone's like, no, it's an easy gimme. That that we're come bring it up. I was like, did you see the England lineup? And did you see the fact that Sigerson has so much space to do whatever he did? That's probably a solid indication. And they created the one of the most exciting chants ever that yeah. everybody still does. So um, they had them. They had the momentum. I'll it, say it. It's it, the figuring. It, it's the short span of time to try and get something going. And if yeah. you can figure it out, if you can get hot at the right time, like Portugal, I'm going back to their draws. They didn't look out and about. Like they didn't look like they'd be done. Right. They looked active, and that's what helped them get there. So, just letting you know, stay hot. Stay hot. Stay hot. Shoot or shoot, water. right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um. So earlier, no, earlier was how many days ago was this? Two days ago, you we dropped a, a bracket for everyone to fill out. Yes, we did. Um. Great job on page for creating it. it looks <laughs> dope. Um. One matchup that you're looking forward to in the round of sixteen that you think will happen and and you want it to happen that's a very good question right i don't know and i i say this because now that the games have started the table is so wide open yeah and i think it's gonna be hard to predict these round of 16 games even though you know our midweek tournament or our midweek um uh preview show we were like oh it's going to be this team and this team for sure first and second and i don't think it's going to be as clear cut not anymore no i don't have an answer to that i don't know if there's a team a couple teams or games you're looking forward to or you think might happen so i filled this out before the start of the tournament so uh, I didn't play around with any of the third place teams because it comes down to goal differential and right. points and all that stuff. And I was like, I am not mathematically giving Italy 15 goals or right. just trying to figure this out. You know what I mean? But based on the way the brackets play out, um, I think if England wins the group, like I've been saying, they get Portugal if Portugal right. finishes second. So I think that will be a fantastic matchup. That'll be a good game. I would have liked to see it later in the... Of course, of course. And I think that's tournament. why I keep saying to... But the weird part is if England finishes second in the group, they still end up maybe facing France in the quarter. And that right? you don't want to so, see. But like at this point, you have to make a, I guess, a snap judgment, like who's better. Right. Um, and I think both teams, you can't differentiate them. And that's why I said Portugal, France in the final with France winning it, because I think that's mm-hmm. how the, uh, that's how I'm thinking it, but like. Right. Based on your bracket. Right. But there's also a potential Italy-Belgium quarterfinal matchup if it works out the way it does. It, you know, exciting. yeah. And I, again, I'm ignoring all the, the third place teams just for a for second sure. because, sure. again, I don't want to do the math. It's difficult. It's so, I think now that it's started, like I said before, it's so wide open. And yeah. I think it's going to be a good tournament. So here's what we'll do. Keep everything we've we've said with who finishes out of our groups, and we'll compare why we were right, why we were wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But let's wait for the round of sixteen to sort of unfold because this third place thing is just confusing the hell out of me. Um, I'm not doing the math for this. Sorry, like I love soccer, I love my footy, but I'm not sitting and trying to figure out who has the most goals and who won't because you never know in a short tournament. 
Right. So sure. we'll get we'll get to that and and we'll pray for an England easy matchup <laughs> in the first round or something. Um, but I hope uh, I hope we're surprised. Let's just say that. Awesome. Um, so today's starting eleven is brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give Shenzi Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and are available for pickup in the Vancouver area. And we will catch you right after this break. Come join me, Kellen Forrest, on the On the Mic college basketball podcast powered by the Garage Door Sports Network, where we talk everything from my disdain for Duke basketball to my love for Kentucky and John Calipari and everything in between. Check us out under the Shows tab at garagedoorsports.com and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm Gabe Ferraro. And I'm Logan Lockhart from Between the Uprights on the Garage Door Sports Network. We cover everything football from NFL, CFL, and all off-season storylines. We make our weekly picks during the season and cover every headline in the off-season. Check us out on the shows tab at garagedoorsports.com for our weekly episodes. What up, guys? It's your host, Nick McVicker. And if you are looking for a weekly sports podcast to fill your sports needs, you've come to the right place. Garage Door Sports, hosted by myself, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji, brings you all the up-to-date news, notes, and opinions on everything in the sporting world. If you like good conversation, good friends, and a lot of jokes being thrown around, you've come to the right place. Don't forget to check us out on all your favorite streaming sites, and we will make sure we bring you content every Saturday, right here on Garage Door Sports. Here is our off-the-bench segment. In the spirit of the five-substitution rule, we're going to cover the five major storylines from the last week or so. Transfer news. So I know a couple of weeks ago, Touchline Thoughts reported um, that Gigi Wijnaldum was going to Barcelona. Psych, he's not. It turns out he's going to get more money. He's going to play in PSG, better squad. A PSG are also aiming to finalize a deal for goalkeeper, Jean-Luigi Donnarumma, in the next week or so. So they're looking good. Coaching hires. Maurizio Sarri is back. We're going to see cigarettes on the t- sidelines once again as he will be back as Lazio manager this time. Um, Celtic have brought in Ange Postacoglu, uh, the Australian, former Australian manager on a 12-month rolling contract. Um, EPL clubs were also fined a collective 2.2 million, which 22 million, think, actually. Sorry, 22 million, yeah. which I don't think is enough. Um, following the involvement in the Super League, uh, future negligence and participation in a breakaway league will cause a 30-point deduction. Good. Future. Um, yeah, future. We'll see what happens. Um, no NWSL soccer this weekend. Sorry. Many of the NWSL stars are playing for their countries. The international break matches run from June 10th to the 16th. Um, Nadine Nadim makes her return back to the NWSL. She was at Paris. She was at PSG. Um, she has moved to Racing Louisville FC, which is a new club in the NWSL, if you don't follow along. Um, yeah, she had a great season with 10 goals and four assists campaign for PSG this past season. Uh, Nadim is also one semester away from graduating to be a doctor, uh, where she will special, specialize in reconstructive surgery following her playing career. So that's great for her, and we wish her the best of luck there. Well, that does it for today. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, no, I think we've, uh, if you've been watching the games this week, it's been a little bit traumatic uh, yesterday. So, you know, hug your loved ones and, and 
um, don't take soccer for granted. That would be my little thought. Hug, hug the people. What's it called? One love. As One uh, love. Bob, there Bob we go. Says. <laughs> little Bob Marley. <laughs> um, what about you? Any, any final thoughts? I'm not related to soccer. I was looking at tea prices on David's tea this morning, and I'm a little mad that they're so expensive. <laughs> David's tea is always super expensive. See, I used to work there, so I didn't. I don't remember paying that much. So when Maybe I like, you got oh, an employee discount. Oh, I got a very good employee discount. But I was like, at least they brought back one of my favorite teas. Lemon pound cake is back at David's tea. I just checked after like five years. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. In case you were worried about the lemon pound cake tea is back, guys. Hey, if you like lemon pound cake, this is the tea for you. As I sip it, wait, wait, I will sip it while I do that. Lemon pound cake. <laughs> um, but right. yeah, it's ridiculous the prices of everything. I'm like, okay, that's that's a different side. Inflation. Woohoo. All right. So be sure to dis- subscribe, not describe. We describe, you subscribe um, to the podcast and give us a like or leave a rating. You can all also follow us on Twitter at touchline th, and you can follow me at page underscore Culver and Irfan at, uh, at Irfan Manji. And don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sports and check out thegaragedoorsports.com and follow our segment sponsor, Shenzi Shack on Instagram um, to place an order or to see their menu. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next match day. Cheers. We'll be right back.